We've been doing uh, a series here called Why We Do What We Do. And we're a bit nervous, a little bit nervous about this one today because, yeah, and, that, and I didn't want to do it by myself, so I thought at least, like, the blame or the criticism could be deflected to Stephen and me, and then if someone's cranky about something, I can go, oh, that was, yeah, it's, I can understand the way Stephen said that, and... Um, <laughs> I'm just surprised but, there's this many people here today, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they didn't read what we're talking about. Now, here's the thing. We're going to talk about giving today. We're going to talk about uh, money. We're going to talk about not just um, giving about money. We're going to talk about giving of our service and our time and our talents and generosity as a whole. But the reason why we're a little tentative about this and in some faith communities, someone might not be tentative about this, is because here's what we know. We know that the Christian community hasn't always represented Jesus and the gospel in accurate ways. And one of the things that undermines Jesus' message and what he's about is that sometimes some people, I would say not the majority, but I'd say some people talk about money and giving in an unhelpful, unhealthy, damaging way, in a controlling, manipulative way. And so if someone invited you to come today and said, hey, you should come along to Good Life, and last week you were like, such good service, I'm going to invite my friend. And then you came today, and right now your heart's racing because you're like, oh no, <laughs> the one day this year that they decided to talk about giving you money. Let me, hopefully you can relax and breathe for a moment because no one's asking you for money today. You don't have to give anything today. We want this service to be a gift to you and every week. The only way we do what we do is because a whole bunch of people have caught the vision for this community, for, what, for who God is and what God's doing in this community and out of their hearts they say, I want to I give, I want to contribute so we can do some incredible things in our community, we say in the name of Jesus. But I just want to let everyone off the hook for a second. No one, no one is going to know here if you give or don't give because we don't check. We just go, what's in the bank accounts? And sometimes we go, Yes, awesome, we can do the vision, and we can actually pay the bills, which is a good thing, and every now and again we go, ooh, it's a bit tight, <laughs> and if, you know, the last few years it's been, it's been tight, it's been challenging, uh, we've been through a big, you know, global financial crisis uh, as a result of COVID and, and lots of things going on, and so today, I just want to say up front, well, we, we talk about this with a sense of um, wanting to really honor God, and it, my prayer when I was driving in the car here was, God, when we talk about giving and we talk about money today, I, pay, I hope that people, even the biggest skeptic, the biggest critic of the church, and I'd be probably happy to join you in lots of the criticisms and skepticism. So we'd probably have more in common than you think. I want people to walk out of here going, well, I'm not going to give anything, but that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. Can't really be offended or hurt by that. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm praying and hoping, and, uh, and that people understand our heart in this. So today, uh, before I, I'm going to get Stephen to share some of the reasons why he gives, I just want to say straight up front, 
giving over the years for me has been an interesting thing because when I was a kid, uh, in the church that I went to, we had a Sunday school program, it was called, we don't call it that anymore, and my parents would give me a 20 cent coin. Remember coins? <laughs> Young people, you might not know what this is, it's an ancient artifact, and anyway, we used to have these things called 20 cent pieces, and so... Um, Either my grandfather or my dad or my mom would go, here's your 20 cents, and they had to make sure they had one for me and my two brothers. And then we go into the kids' program, and in the kids' program, they'd always take up an offering, and they'd say, all right, we're going to pray now, and then we're going to pass the offering bucket, and we're going to give to God. And I always just thought, I wonder what God does with it all. <laughs> and so, you know, you're a little kid, you don't know how it works. So I put my 20 cents in, it always felt good, you know. Some kids gave a 50 cent, I was like, ooh, they're a rich family. And uh, anyway, I never forget the day. I've never forgot the day. For whatever reason, my parents were late picking me up from the kids' program. And I just happened to wander into the back um, area. It's like this kitchen area. And there were three people in there. And they, they got the containers and they emptied it out on the counter. And they were counting it all up. And they were talking. And then they put it in this box. And I stood there and I watched it and I went, I thought the money went to God. Like, what's happening with it? So on the, on the way home in the car, I said to my dad, hey, dad, you know how we give our 20 cents and we give it to God? Because I don't know how it works. I just thought, I didn't know if angels came down into the back room. All I know is the money went into the back room and somehow it went to God because God needed it. And uh, <laughs> my dad's like, oh, my goodness. So he, he had to explain to me how... Yes, we say the money goes to God, but here's how God wants us to use the money that's for God's purposes. And he explained, that was my first aha of, ah, that's how it works. So I don't know what your idea about giving is today, um, but I, let me let you know, the money, when people give, you'll notice there wasn't technically an offering, there's some buckets there, it doesn't actually go to God in heaven. I just wanted to say that straight up front, just in case people didn't know <laughs> that. Is good that all right? That's good to know. All right, good, good. Are we all cool with that? That was the first piece of information I just felt was, was helpful. Um, all right, Stephen, can you talk to us this morning? Why, why do you give? Um, what's some of your motivation and reason? Yeah, cool. I was sitting here just thinking it's kind of ironic that you get the Christian television guy to speak about giving, but, you know, that's fine. Um, <laughs> sorry, joke for those who watch Christian television. Um, I'm going to be sharing some perspectives for me um, around what giving means to myself and Ruth and my family. And, and so Mike can come and fix it up afterwards if there's things I say that need to be, you know, kind of corrected a little bit. But this is probably is what formed my attitude um, and heart position when it comes to giving. So there's, I've got six points. And the first one is that everything I have is his. Everything I have is his. Every cent I have um, the family I have, the assets I have, the, the things I have, the relationships I have, everything I have is His. And if He has trusted me with those things, then absolute least I can do is trust Him back with my giving and that He will meet my needs and supply my needs when I give. Everything I have is his. There's Psalm 16, verse 2 says, I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. And I can stand here today and testify that every good thing that I have has come from God, that he's incredibly faithful and has been over the, the decades of my life. This thought process 
is incredibly liberating and freeing when it comes to making decisions around giving. But when it comes to making decisions just about life, if everything is his, then I can trust him with it. I can trust that he's going to work out all things for good when things aren't going great. I can trust that he's going to meet my needs when things may be a little bit restricted. I can trust him because they are his anyway. It's not what I've done. It's not what I've created. It's not what I've been, you know, the resources I've been able to accumulate or anything like that. Everything I have is his. The second area is that we get to participate in giving, that we get to participate. It's not a we should or I have to. It's actually I get to. I get to take part in this this ancient act of worship where my, I can give an offering, um, a sacrifice to the King of Kings. The one who gave me everything, I, can, I get to give back to him in that. There's a, a story in 2 Samuel where, where David makes the point that he wasn't going to sacrifice something to the Lord that didn't cost him something. Someone offered to give him something to make a sacrifice. And he goes, you know, that, that hasn't cost me anything. And so when I think about our giving that we get to, I get to make an offering. I get to make a sacrifice. And I believe there should be a sacrifice. And we're not going to actually talk about a dollar amount, that every person should give a certain dollar amount. Maybe I'll touch on that in a little bit. But it comes from our heart. You know, there is a sacrifice and a cost when it comes to our giving. We get to participate when it comes to our giving. The third area is, that, is to sow where we are planted. Now, I'm not a really good gardener. If you saw my garden, it, it, it's all palm trees anyway. They kind of do their things and make their own mess. Um, but I'm not great at gardening. But I have these plants out, or sorry, had these plants out the front of our garden. And they were kind of these, I don't even know what they are. They're like this long, blady, grassy kind of plant. And they were doing their thing. And, and each year, throughout the year, they would produce these flowers and seed pods. And in them were kind of, you know, in, say, one plant, there'd be hundreds of these seed pods that they would then distribute. And so the plants were going pretty well. And they were growing really great. And I thought, actually, what if I took those seeds from those seed pods and put them in another part of the garden and see if I can get those same plants to grow? And sure enough, they did. They actually grew really well. So what I did for this year is every time that plant took, um, started to produce those buds and the seeds, I'd take them and put them in this other part of the garden. The other part of the garden is looking awesome. But what happened was the plants that were at the front started to die because the seeds that the plant was plant producing weren't going into the soil around the plant. And so as the leaves started to drop off, there was nothing new coming up. This spoke incredibly to me around how I tithe. Me personally, I believe the tithe is for the church that I'm planted in. I don't believe I can continue to take away from the church without investing back in. Just like that plant. The plant knows how many seeds it needs to produce to continue to grow. What I did was took away that seed from the plant and eventually it died. We have this incredible opportunity that we get to sow where we are planted. This is my home church. It has been for decades. I believe in the vision, in the vision, the mission, and the purpose of this church. And so my tithe, I invest directly into this each week. Comes out of my bank account without even seeing it. There's probably another thing there to say. There's something cool about putting in a bucket and the, the act of actually giving and all that kind of stuff. There are boxes up the back if you want to participate in that. For us, it's convenient. 
We have an automatic bank transfer. happens every, every fortnight, and it just comes out. The first thing that comes out of my bank account is my tithe, and my tithe comes to the church that I'm planted in. So we sow where we're planted. The fourth one is to live a life marked with generosity. I want generosity to flow out of my life. I want a life filled with generosity. And as Mike said, yes, we're talking about finances today, but it's not just about finances. I want my life to be generous in my relationships. I want my life to be generous in my time. I want my life to be generous in every area, to live a generous, uh, spirit-filled life in the way I conduct myself. I believe in giving my time. I, my time here, I'm not on staff at Good Life, but I give my time in serving Good Life through the executive leadership team. That's an investment of my time, and I want to be generous with that. Um, I, sit on, um, I have sat on boards and sit on a, a board of some charities because I believe that's being generous with my, my skill set to assist that organisation in, in what they do. I hope I'm generous with my, with my family and my relationships and my friends and giving them the time and the energy and, and, and the effort that they, quite frankly, deserve my best. I want to live a life of generosity. We sometimes get a little bit funny around this idea of sowing and reaping. To Mike's point, there can be some doctrine which says you sow and you get, um, you know, you, you give and you'll get in return. Fundamentally, I actually do believe in that. It's a principle that when you sow something, you get something back. It's a spiritual law, but also it's a physical, natural law. It's just like that plant that I talked to you about. I think it can go way too far down one end of the spectrum, but I believe the principle is true, that we reap what we sow. I want to sow generosity. I don't do it because I will get something in return, but quite often in my experience, I actually do. There is a, a fruit that comes from that. When I sow my tithe into this place, I may not directly benefit from the, the fruit of that sowing, but I know other people will. And I know this place will continue to fulfill its mission in that. So I want to live a life marked with generosity. Number five, be guided by the Spirit. Now, I'm going to ask a lady called Betty to share a little bit of her story to help this one. I've just got a little video on the screen. I wish I could get ice cream. I don't have any cash for it. Yeah, you can ask no way. It. Thank you so much. What's your name? Bonnie. Bonnie. Great to meet you, Bonnie. I'm 90 years old. So I You're 90 years old. Is $2 enough? Yes. All right, perfect. Say, Bonnie, I got my ice cream. Look at it. I was actually in there waiting to see the first person to buy me ice cream, and I got a gift for you, Bonnie. $500. Oh, no, no, Penny. Yes, this okay. is for you. But I, I, I'm worried about you. I'm not in need. I was just seeing the first person to help me out. Oh, dear. I, I don't know what to say. You're God bless you, dear. Yeah, you're awesome. Why were you so kind to get me the ice cream? Because the Bible says to help people out when they need it. Well, I figured the only reason I'm still around, I'm 90 now, is that God's still got work for me to do, and he says to love him and to love your neighbor as yourself. Bonnie, no Betty. So I didn't show that as an illustration of, you know, 100-fold reaping and sowing, but there is a point there. Um... I showed you that because of what Bonnie said at the end, that you know, she, she made the point that she's 90 twice, and, and she said, you know, I believe that God has a purpose for me, that God has called me to, to love him and to love my neighbor. What would it look like if there was this uprising of generosity, even from our community here, 
to do acts of kindness. And this is why I talk about being guided by the Spirit. I believe in my tithe. That's a, that's a given. That just happens. Each fortnight that happens. I do my tithe. One of the prayers that I pray is, God, give me the eyes to see need around me today. Help me see an opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. Just like Bonnie did. You know, and obviously it was a bit of a setup. The guy was, you know, he's a, the guy, he's a social media Instagrammer and all that kind of stuff. And that's what he does. But Bonnie, nevertheless, was there ready to be generous, to meet a need, to, to buy that guy an ice cream. She wasn't expecting anything in return. So we went through you know, a, a season where, you know, we just, and even now, just being really intentional around having ears that are open and eyes that are open to see if there's need around us. To maybe buy something for the person in, who's in the queue in front of you, to buy their coffee, to pay for their fuel, to do you know, someone's short of cash in a, a grocery line, whatever it might be. There's the tithe, but then I believe there's these sort of extra above things where out of the generosity of our heart, of all that God has done in our lives, we can be a blessing to others. And there's something interesting here. Quite often, you don't know these people. It's easy to give to people you know because you're going to get a, a pat on the back, a thank you, a big appreciation. When you give to those that you don't know, you may not get that in return. And what that does, it tests our heart. Why am I giving? Am I giving for recognition or am I giving because God has blessed me and I want to bless others and I want to love my neighbour as he has loved me in that? So I'd encourage you, what does it look like to be led by the Spirit when it comes to our giving? To be spontaneous, to be open to those promptings where maybe that just that nudge, that small, still voice just says, hey, why don't you help that person? And it may not just be with money, it may be with time, it may be giving someone a lift, it may be a whole host of different things. But how do we live generous lives and how do we do it in a way that is guided by God's Spirit? His Spirit dwells within us and I believe it's there to guide and direct. And as I said just before, I've been praying this prayer, God, give me the eyes to see need around me and how you would have me respond to that. So how are we guided by the Spirit? And lastly, number six is guard your heart. Guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Above all else. Above all else. Guard your heart. I'm in business, and over the years, I've seen time and time again that money and finance has the ability to corrupt people. People make bad, bad choices. People make dumb choices and people make wrong choices when it comes to money because if you don't keep your heart right and your heart pure and your heart holy in the midst of your finances, it can lead you down a path that is of destruction. It's not the way that God has designed us for li to, to live in that. So above all else, guard your heart when it comes to the finances. And it comes from that very first point. When we know that everything we have is His, it keeps our hearts pure. We know that everything we have comes from His good hand and it's not mine and I'm a caretaker for it for the time that I'm on earth. Then it keeps your heart right. As soon as your heart starts to turn, as soon as your heart starts to get a, you know, start claiming my rights and, and all that kind of stuff, I think we're heading down a, a wrong path in that. There's a scripture uh, that I just want to read. It's from two, I actually don't even have a reference. I think it's two Corinthians. And so this, Paul is talking to the, the, second Corinthians, to the Corinthians 
around providing for the people of Jerusalem. And at the very end, he says this. And when you take your gifts to those in need, they will thank God. So two good things happen. Sorry, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will be joyfully expressed in their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. When it comes to my giving, I want to be obedient to the cause of Christ, to the good news of the gospel of Jesus. I want to be obedient to the things he asks of me when it comes to my giving, to not, not retain, not to store up, but to be generous and to be very open-handed when it comes to our finances and our giving. There's some of the things that probably shaped my life over the, you know, the decades, and I hope maybe they'd be an encouragement to you. It's a position of heart. It's not about a number. It's not about the amount. It's actually about the position of our heart when it comes to giving. Thanks, mate. Thank you, Stephen. And I asked Stephen because, um, not only because he's one of the leaders here, but he is the epitome of everything he's talking about. He's a generous-hearted person. He's had it modelled to him in his life through his family. Um, he lives it. I've experienced generosity from him. I've seen so many people. I've seen people that, um, well, I've had people tell me uh, of the generosity that he might not even know that have told me. And so um, it's important that we hear from people that actually live this. I want to read to you a scripture, um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. It's going to be up on the screen here. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor, and he says to him, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. Now, just a point of clarity here. Those who are rich in this world, when, when Paul wrote this to Timothy back then, being rich was if you had anything more than what you needed. Now, these days, pretty much all of us are rich in this society and culture here. There are some people who are literally doing it tough in our culture and in our um, you know, economic context. So I don't want to um, you know, underestimate or undermine that in any way or, or belittle that. But for the most part, we're in the top couple of percentage of the world's richest people. Now, it's very expensive in this country. So when you, you, you compare it, you know, it's like what a house costs here versus a house in some other parts of the world. There's all those dynamics at play. But at the end of the day, we have so much. But he says to those who have extra, um, don't be proud. Don't trust in your money, which is so unreliable. And we've, we've learned that. The economy is fragile. Things can change in a moment. You know, things can go up and down and, and some people are winning and some people are losing and, you know, it can change in any moment. Um, their trust should be in God, he says, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Gosh, there's so much in just that one passage. But what I take away from this is my own journey um, of generosity and learning to give and learning to trust God. Um, when I was young, it was easy because my parents gave me the money to give. 
So it wasn't so hard to be generous. It wasn't so hard to, you know, we practice the tradition of a tithe, which, you know, you hear in the media sometimes, you know, this particular church makes their people give a tithe. To be honest, I don't know of any church, maybe there's a few cults out there that do this, that make anyone do it. But there can be pressure, people can feel, you know, a compulsion and, and whatever, and there's all sorts of dynamics at play in that. But let's be honest, pretty much all churches throughout most of church history have practiced either what's called a tithe, 10% of uh, your income, or some kind of commitment to give generously on a consistent basis, to, to, to agree, here's what I've committed in my heart I'm going to do. It's like a commitment. It's not like a super weird thing. Now, if you're not used to church or you haven't been around church, and you're going, whoa, what? People do that. I'm like, hey, everyone does this. Everyone in the world, unless they don't have no money, does this because everyone chooses where they put or invest their money. Some people invest their money in sport. Some people invest their money in online activity. Some people invest their money in food, in houses, in real estate and all of that. And someone somewhere in advertising is putting up an ad to us on social media, which is kind of like a giving message. It says, you should do this. And so you go, oh, yes, my life would be so much better if I did that. And so you give your money to that. So in, in some ways, we all give to different things we care about. And it reminds me of the passage that really challenged me in my young adult years, between sort of 20 and 30, when I heard someone preach on this passage, and it's found in Matthew chapter 6, 20, verse 21. It'll be up on the screen, and it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I knew that verse. I'd, I'd memorized that verse and was like, yep, I know what that's all about. But then this, this speaker said something and it went straight to my heart. They said, so what you want to do is you want to check out where your treasure is, where your treasure's going, because that'll give you an indication of where your heart is. And I remember going, ooh. And they're like, have a look at your bank account, where you spent your money. And you know what I realized? I was doing as a kind of a, in my tradition, and you know, we, we stuck to a pretty strict to give you 10%. And so that's what we do. That's what my parents did. So I, I could go, cool, I ticked the box, I gave my 10%, but I realized the rest of my money was really demonstrating where my heart was. Man, I was spending money on stupid stuff, wasting it on stuff. And I felt really challenged, especially when I went to Indonesia, and then I went to Uganda, and I've seen poverty. Man, where's my heart? And then all of a sudden, whoa, it's challenging, because this now becomes... Not about anybody else. No one else knows, apart from my wife. Where are we going to serve and give? And where's our heart? And we have to wrestle this out. And sometimes that's tough when you live in a society and a culture where you compare your life, your house, your car, all you have to everybody else that you're doing life with. And we're all pretty rich and wealthy, comparatively. So then you're like, oh, I want to I fit in. But sometimes then fitting in means, oh, but if I give to this thing that I feel like God might be stirring my heart to contribute to, I may have less in some of these other things. And man, that's been a journey for me. It's been a journey for me and Teresa. And I just want to say today, um, this is an individual thing that we, I mean, this is a corporate thing we wrestle with, but an individual thing that we, we work out with the Lord. Now, in our family, Teresa and I, we agreed, and we're not super strict. We don't think the 10% is a law, but we think it's a great principle I mean, in the Old Testament, in, in the Hebrew Scriptures, you would read about three different tithes that people gave, um, and they all had a purpose. But we decided we need to pick a percentage that we feel like God is calling us to, and so we've done that. We've got a percentage, and so we give, every time we get our pay, 
to raise as a mind to our local church, like Stephen was saying, because this is where we're part of this community. We want to be part of the vision of what that is. And then we also give to certain charities that we believe in, that we care about. And then Therese and I have had this conversation where we've said, listen, if you're ever in a situation where you need to spontaneously give something or, you know, like, let's just do it, unless it's some, like, massive amount, (laughs) maybe let's have a little chat. But if you're in the moment and someone's in need, do it. We'll work it out later. And we just make that commitment. And Teresa started doing that, and then she started doing that Macca's thing. You know, when you're in the drive-thru, oh, let's just pay for the people behind it. And I thought one day, kids are like, Dad, do that thing that Mum does, where you pay for the people behind it. I'm like, yeah, Mum's more generous than me. Uh, so I did it this one day, and like, this is like one guy in a ute. He must have been doing the orders for all the tradies. It was a large amount. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> kids, kids, Dad's really sacrificing for God's purposes to model to you. Oh, man, that was, that was a bit hard. Um, but this becomes a real heart thing. And so um, let me finish by telling you um, a little story. In this church, A Good Life, I had a conversation with someone this year that, that may surprise some people. And about 15 years ago, I had the same conversation. So I had a conversation with someone who's in this community here who, who, who was chatting to me and said, look, I'm trying to work out how to do the giving here but my partner is not a Christian and doesn't like that I give to here. He doesn't want to just pay for someone's wage. Now, from our perspective, the wages of our community here are people on mission, about the vision and the mission, and it, and it helps us do the very thing God's called us to do. Make disciples, do his work of justice and mercy and kindness and love in the world. And that's what we're about. And so this person said to me here at Good Life, what do I do about this? And I said, here's what I think would really honor God. And I'm prepared to stand before the throne of God and get it wrong. And God go, you didn't get that right, but I got your heart intent, Mike. So here's what I pastorally shared as wisdom. I said, you want to be a witness of God's amazing love and grace to your partner. So I said, why don't you chat to them and say, hey, I really care about the vision and what our community is doing, and I'd like to contribute, but can we chat together about what you would be happy for us to contribute? Because ultimately, we're both contributing. It's coming from us. And so, um, this person just was, just expressed to me that they were relieved because it was creating tension in their relationship. And I just wanted to say to them, God values your relationship more than the percentage that you're going to give into the local church. Because he wants people to know God's love and grace and mercy. And that was also a thing in my heart to go, there may be less dollars coming in for our vision. But if less dollars come in, we trust God. That's the heart thing. We trust that God will meet our needs so we can do his purposes, which is ultimately about seeing God's good will done in the world. And I just want to say, listen, if you're here today and this is a wrestle for you, Do not give under any pressure. If you want to chat to someone about it, we're happy to chat to you. You may walk away going, wow, there may be some other way for you to give. Maybe this may require some faith on your part to go, I've never done it before, so I'm going to start. Start off small. Start off with what you're comfortable with, what you think. I've got faith for this. And then just, you know, you work that out between you and God or your family. But our family have made a decision. My wife and I, we've made a decision. And we're doing that out of our heart, and we honestly have seen God um, provide for us. He's, he's always met our needs. We never have to worry. We've had times, I, I, I told you, when we first came on here, when, when COVID hit, 
I lost 80%, 85% of my business income that year. I just moved to Queensland. And then there was like, whew, what do you do? You know what you do? You just remember that God's always been faithful, that God always finds a way, and that we can trust God because He's an abundant God. And God helped us through. And there wasn't, we kept giving. We didn't get like some magical amount just laying back in our bank account like it's some formula trick. There's no formula, there's no trick. It's a relationship of trust and investing in God's purposes. And so I share that just to say, um, if you want the formula, you might have to go to some place that teaches that. But if you want the heart and you want to be part of the generosity of what we're doing as a community, then hopefully you feel safe to be part of this community as we give individually. And then we say at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, what do we have as a community to work with to fulfill God's purposes and the vision that we have here at Good Life? And that's what we do. And we want to do it in a way that honors God and blesses the world and our neighbors around about us.